Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor of Fightful.com. It is January 4th. You guys know what that means. It is time for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 12 post-show. I'm joined today by a guy you all haven't seen on Fightful before, Robbie Radford, co-host of the Kayfabe Today podcast. Robbie, how's it going, my man? I'm excellent. Um, A bit of an early start, but as usual, New Japan makes up for early starts and late finishes and whatnot. So um, coming back off another big Wrestle Kingdom, I'm I'm sat here. I mean, it's 9 o'clock, but I'm sat here. I'm so happy with how things have paneled out, and I'm more excited to do the show and get through it. 4 p.m. Eastern here. I just got done watching it. Like, uh, if any of you all watched the list and your boy on Wednesday, you kind of heard me talk about it. I made my niche covering like New Japan, Ring of Honor, things that a lot of people weren't covering at the time. But now I'm in a position where I have a, a West Coast associate editor. David Tease was up covering the event. I get to get up early and watch it. But in doing so, I had to shut myself out from the world. Like, I logged on the tweet deck and removed every column so I wouldn't get any tweets. I, I let my News team, no, I let my friends know. Do not spoil it. I want to catch everything and uh, not know what's going on. I was not disappointed, Robbie. What did you think of the show as a whole? I Overall, it was a lot better. Well, I wouldn't say a lot better, but overall, match for match, bell to bell, it was better than last year's. Um, there was some stuff that surprised me in terms of how good it would be and how it panelled out. Um, and as well as some stuff surprised me, some people surprised me as well. Um, and when we get to the matches, we can go in depth. But it, it overall, even though there were like some very strange, I, I thought strange booking decisions heading up to January fourth. Um, again, Gato blew it out the water with everything he did today. Really enjoyed the show. Uh, I didn't think there were really any bad matches. The New Japan Rumble is what it's going to be. I mean, that's that's just. <laughs> what it is, we can get into that. My match ratings for these well, that I'm basically I'm basing in the notes of this show off of will be up on Fightful by the time that this uh, podcast ends. Go check it out, guys. I run it off of a 10 out of 10 system. Starts at a 5. It can either slide down or slide up. And I think I may have given my first 10 out of 10 on, on this one as well since I started to do this last year. Uh, the New Japan Rumble. Uh, Robbie, I know you didn't get a chance to watch this, but Delirious made an appearance. 
I really forgot how big uh, Leo Tonga was. I forgot Chase Owens was in the Bullet Club, as I often do. But (laughs) Chase Owens got like three pins. Nagata was in there. Taka Michinoku, Jushin Thunder Liger, who got a big pop. Um, Yoshihashi did not look pleased to be in the match. (laughs) He looked like he would rather have been anywhere in the world. Uh, I want to say that that when he got pinned, it looked uh, really cool because Finley did a bit of a Grammy roll into a pin. I love that. Also, I just want to say, any entrance is a Wrestle Kingdom entrance when you are Yujiro Takahashi. Oh, yeah. You're, the guy, your Wrestle Kingdom entrance goes with you, Robbie. Yeah. The, the, I always, I, even though, even when, even when it's like, um, you know, they do the house shows like Row 2 shows. And a weirdly sad way, I always like, Sit back and prepare for a Yujiro Takahashi entrance. You know, the guy's, <laughs> the guy's just a walking, walking, talking charisma guy, like full of charisma <laughs> in his entrance. And then it's like once he gets in the ring, it's a bit like, well, the entrance was good. Uh, but I, I did, I did get a, did hear a, quite a few reviews saying that the actual rumble was, as you said, it's like, well, it is what it is. I do love that the, the pin aspect of it. I, I really like that. But there, you know, you can pin people, you can submit them, you can go over the top rope. Uh, Tenzan ruined like a cool double elimination spot by holding on a little bit too long. It comes down to your boy Cheeseburger, who got a great reaction again, <laughs> and Masahito Kakahara, who came back from cancer. And, you know, that's as a catch wrestling guy, I love the UWFI connection. And he was wearing a Takayama shirt. That almost brought a tear to my eye. He gets the win. It was a really good, it was a nice feel good moment in the New Japan Rumble. But, uh, this was, it was exactly what it was. It's to get some pops on the entrances and to get somebody a nice win. Yeah. It's a nice, like, welcome to the show. Like, it's, it's a nice show opener, really. You're never going to get, like, an absolute, like, Kabashi Mazawa classic from the Rumble. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and somebody was telling me today, someone was on the Twitter feed and was saying, just as I was walking in, um, cheeseburger came out and everyone was like, oh, well, you know, the, the rumble itself is like, it's peaked. Cheeseburgers come out. So it, it's like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of, I'm always a big fan of the rumble, but I'd never expect too much. So that's kind of probably why I enjoy it. I'm a fan of battle royals in general, but th- I mean, they're never great. I'm just, I'm just a sucker for them. And I guess I'm not the only one. We do like, uh, YouTube view breakdowns for Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, stuff like that. And Battle Royals always do really, really good numbers. Like, it can be a Battle Royal really about anything, and it, and it delivers as far as numbers go. Uh, I'll tell you something I thought delivered. This IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match, the Young Bucks defeated Rapongi 3K to become the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Uh, <laughs> Rapongi's entrance was great with Rocky with the, the like the fire extinguisher backpack. It's always so weird to me when I'm watching Ring of Honor, Robbie, and they're like, the dogs, the last team to beat Rapongi 3K. And I'm thinking, you sons of bitches, like, how dare you? How <laughs> they dare are, they, you even bring that up? They're so, like, the, I, when they debuted, was it Power Struggle they debuted at? Um, yeah. When Sho and Yo debuted, oh, well, re-debuted off their excursion, I was like, oh, this, you know, I know where this is going. Um, but... They and I have a friend called Travis uh, at Hibiki TMD on Twitter. He um he's you know just he, I was like giving up match recommendations prior to the event, and I was saying make sure you know keep an eye out for this tag match because it's going to be once the young bucks turn up and they like want to work, you know rather oh, yeah. than sort of go through the motions, they are and they are on 
a whole different level. Um, and again, the junior tag division seriously matched. Well, the junior tag division match didn't disappoint today. If you're ever in an argument with somebody and they're like, Young Bucks can't work, they don't have any psychology, show them this match. This was an awesome story. Great work. Uh, Yo and Matt Jackson had like dueling sharpshooters and start slapping each other, which is really great. I, I remember my, uh, Matt Jackson in a recent like video, he was like, yeah, I guess I'm a submission specialist now, which <laughs> they'll start adapting to and they'll change their style as they get older. Yeah. I mean, sh- go ahead. Sorry. So I, I hoped, um, especially with the backlash of that, um, Twitter video that surfaced of them doing the like, quadruple drop kick i kind yeah. part of me hopes that they'd roped in show and yo to do it as well just so that it would anger anger a load of people but i'm part of me is glad they didn't and they worked like a, a really good match um and like they were saying like, oh we're gonna hang up your jerseys you know it's number seven um they they to me they are you know i will always say to me they are the best tag team i've ever had the joy of watching well, among those those great tag teams present day are the revival, and they took a revival spot. The the old like uh, like I'm gonna tap, and the other person grabs the hand. That had to be intentional. Like that yeah. that was a shot at the revival, like a friendly jab. Something that had me concerned early on. Show looked like he cracked his ankle on the the rail, but the thing is, it was a double dive with him and his partner. But he wasn't the one that needed to sell or wasn't designed to sell in the match. So the guy who cracks his ankle off of a guardrail has to be the one that isn't selling because the story of the match was Yo and Matt Jackson with these dueling back injuries, which I thought is really cool. It's not a story you see told a lot where uh, each individual member of a team has uh, – of their respective teams have the same type of selling going on. And I think that was a really cool a really cool story. From start to finish, uh, it was yeah, bell to bell. The whole match was great. I, I well, I I don't know if um, you know when they they kind of went over and like beat beat up Rocky for a bit. I don't know if that Power was like him on the apron or not the apron the the ramp. Yeah, I wonder if that was improvised to kind of give was it show like some time to kind of get moving again. Um, I I don't know if it was improvised or not, but. I have absolutely zero complaints about this match. I I love yeah. when the young bucks go to work. The bucks pulled the old switcheroo in the ring like they were twins, which I thought was hilarious. They look so they don't look, <laughs> Yeah, they don't look anything alike. Uh, Nick accidentally hits a dive on Matt, tries to save Matt from a, a, sh- a series of show German suplexes, but he gets caught too. There's this super kick party. Nick counters the 3K into a spinning enziguri. It was an awesome series there. Uh, Yo somehow kicks out of this sick looking like elevated swanton bomb. Nick has to help Matt get Yo up on his shoulders because his back is hurt so bad. But then Sho almost gets a pin while uh, r- holding on to Nick. Or yeah, while Yo is holding on to Nick, there's a crucifix pin just rolled through that that some rolling Simone drops so well. Then there's the aforementioned <laughs> revival spot. I thought that was great. Then we see Show and Nick Jackson one-upping each other by kicking each other's partner in their <laughs> injured backs. That, that, that got that got a legitimate laugh out of me. It was just, yeah, they the young books know like when to sort of time stepping out of like a serious a serious sort of match style and then add a bit of humor and and I, I think if I recall by the sound of it the crowd were quite into that as well um but it may be because there was quite a few more sort of 
there's maybe a bit more audibly as well, more Western fans that had gone across that they kind of infected the crowd with like quite Western types of tag moves and tag stuff. Like you said, with the revival, um, with the revival spot, but overall, um, I would say that it was probably one of the better matches the Young Bucks have worked in New Japan for quite a while. Loved it. Uh, they get the win with a Meltzer driver and a sharpshooter. Yeah. Outstanding match. Never open weight six man tag team championships. Beretta, Toro Yanu, Tomohiro Ishii defeated Bullet Club, Chaos, Suzuki Goon, War Machine, and Michael Elgin. I felt so awkward watching yeah, War Machine and Michael Elgin <laughs> out there. Well, uh, I, I remember, I remember saying to you, um, a couple of days in advance, I was, I was just saying, I was, I hoped yeah. that Elgin would be in the Rumble. Only to be eliminated by Cobb, who'd kind of like turn around and like <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. But um it was it really was. Like I'm sure even and I could my mind could be playing tricks on me, but I'm sure that either Callis or Kevin Kelly mentioned that they don't get along um on the commentary. And I remember thinking <laughs> peeling back the curtain kind of thing. Yeah. They they were eliminated first, so it makes sense. Uh Sabre choked out Roe with a triangle. Do you think War Machine or WWE bound? Um, I think it's if if it's if they are, it's the right time for them to go. Um, because they they've done. I don't want to say they've done all they can in, on the independents in Japan, but they um they would maybe need a new challenge heading into 2018. And I think that maybe if they start in NXT or I, I someone said um that the the Bludgeon Brothers Harper and Rome was like a test run to see yeah. how well War Machine would do. Um, but I I think sooner rather than later, uh, alongside Ricochet, that they'll pop up somewhere. You could seamlessly like replace Harper and Rowan in a Wyatt family with these two guys. When I saw Harper yeah. and Rowan, I was like, Rowan is what they wanted out of Hanson, but didn't get. Like I think, and yeah. Rowan's getting better in the ring all the time. But you look at, at the landscape of tag team wrestling in WWE. If Anderson and Gallows stay baby faces, they're going to stay over. The SmackDown division is just—it's unbelievable. It's doing awesome. On NXT, you have Authors of Pain just looking better and better and better, and you have Sanity, who, like Alexander Wolf, had this breakout performance last year that I didn't expect. You throw another big, we'll call them Sirloin Beef Sons of Bitches tag team in there in War Machine. <laughs> My God. Uh, I would love to see them work with Zack Sabre some more, too, because they had some really good chemistry, uh, War Machine and Zack Sabre working against one another. Sabre chokes out Roe with a triangle. Yeah. Yano and K- Yano and Chaos are almost eliminated immediately. Instead, Yano gets a win over Tai Chi with a good old penis punch, Robbie. I I know a lot of people love to hate Tai Chi, but I, I remember seeing Tai Chi for the first time uh at the Oh, the Super Juniors tournament, um August. I can't remember if it was twenty fifteen or sixteen. And he it was wrestling uh Jushin Liger and it was the first time I'd seen him, and, I, and everyone just told me, just watch the entrance and watch what he does. And I've never, like, gone from hating somebody so much to loving my hatred of someone so much. But I think Tai Chi knows his worth, and he knows, you know, he knows how to piss people off in um, in the wrestling world, and he does it so well. Yeah. Uh, Yano pins Taguchi, too, uh, after... after uh... <laughs> Like Juice, I guess I haven't paid attention before, but Juice's screams are hilarious. Something he's adopted in Japan. I love it. 
Uh, he does this plancha to the outside and he practically bounces off of Ishii where usually people would get caught. Like Ishii just lets, <laughs> lets Juice Robinson ricochet off of his body into the ground. Um, Yano pins Taguchi. Callus actually gives Yano some credit saying that he can wrestle when he wants to. I do like that, you know, some people or that Callus was addressing the, the criticisms of Yano that, that like yeah. he echoes in his commentary, but, but doesn't, shade away or shy away from giving him credit. I think that's a good touch because Yano is one of those guys. Generally you love him or you hate him. Like there, there's not a lot of in between on him. I, I be personally, I've especially um, when it comes to G one time, cause it breaks up the structure of matches. He, well, he does quite well because you can have these like long, like 10, 20, 30 minute matches. And then, you know, with uh Toru Yano that you're going to get like a five minute, like <laughs> something nice to break up. Like, you could have a match that's completely map-based followed by an aerial-type match between, like, say, Osprey and um, Takahashi. And then, you know, when you get something like, was it last year that it was Yano versus Omega? Yeah. That you know you're going to get something that's really refreshing that's going to sort of just break up the structures. Um, and Callis, like you mentioned, Callis did a really good job of commentating tonight, I thought. He really did well. I only had one qualm with the commentary, and we'll get into that in the main event. But otherwise, I thought Kevin Kelly and Don Callis knocked it out of the park. I talked to Josh Barnett yesterday, who's doing the the commentary for the Access version. He wasn't even sure when they were filming it, when they were recording it, anything like that. Um, Also, in my Fightful Wrestling Weekly, I'll have a little update on the Access New Japan relationship because – Things aren't solid on the, the Long Beach show yet. It's not confirmed yet. They're they're still in negotiations to run that show live, but uh, they have extended Jim Ross and Josh Barnett through the 2018 year. But uh, uh, there's always a lot of confusion with Josh Barnett, and a lot of people think that he like works hand-in-hand with New Japan. He doesn't work for New Japan at all. He doesn't have any contact with them. He works directly for Access, told me that he wouldn't be opposed to wrestling for them in the future, but... Right now, he doesn't. Uh, he's just simply doing commentary for uh, the access part. Bullet yeah. Club comes in. I would not want Tongaloa doing a Death Valley Driver to me on the apron if I were in the ring. You could pay me all the money in the world. I <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah, it's just not not a safe situation from for in any regard. Ishii tries to suplex Fale to a big reaction but can't get it done. He finally does it. Place goes crazy. It was a little different for me, like, cause I just got into new Japan as, as part of my coverage a few years ago. So it's a little different for me to not see Ishii in some big featured spot, like a never open weight championship match or something like that. But, uh, still getting those reactions. It's, it's weird. Cause I, um, he's, he's essentially like chaos is sort of gatekeeper when there's, when someone like from either Suzuki Goon or, Los Ingobernables or Bullet Club, like challenges Okada. He's kind of like the, if you can beat Ishii, then feel free to have a shot at yeah. the guy. Um, you know, Ishii just, I saw him against Chris Hero at Rev Pro's Global Wars and, and I walked past him. And I was like, Oh God, God, this guy is so small and he looks like <laughs> not, not frail, but he's quite narrow. Yeah. And, I know that Tokyo Dome went nuts when he picked up Farley. That was the first time, because I always count how many times I like get out of my chair when I'm yeah. watching Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> that was strike one, because the guy amazes me every time I watch him. He's so consistently good at everything in the ring. 
I fully expected Beretta to kick out of uh, Guerrilla Warfare and the stun gun because he, he kicks out of everything. That's just the, that's how Beretta matches are. Not always my thing, but but Yano actually broke that up. He didn't kick it out. But then shortly after, Beretta hits the Dude Buster to give his team the win. I thought this was okay. It was it, it, you know it wasn't my cup of tea compared to everything else on this card. Yeah. Definitely not not at that at the level of everything else, but it wasn't bad. That I can't see. Um, Beretta, Yano, and Ishii. I can't see them holding the belts too long. Nobody does. <laughs> Not these titles. It's such an, like, the, the Open Mate 6 plan is always such an afterthought. And yeah. they, I mean, I, I guess, like, the insertions of Ishii and, uh, Beretta, they, it's probably to get eyes on the actual belt. Um, but it didn't do anything. Like, I, they did it last year as well. Um, and it just didn't. Didn't do anything for me. It wasn't. It was certainly wasn't the best tag match on the uh, on the show. Yep, I would agree. Kota Ibushi defeated Cody. This, in my in my opinion, one of the best matches Cody has ever had. And Kota Ibushi is the right opponent. Like he you're, he can get a good match out of anybody. Not like it's not like it's a chore to get a match, a great match out of Cody Rhodes. But yeah. they just don't happen very often. A colorful, great character that sometimes that outshines. Well, a lot of times it outshines his in ring work. Uh, the commentators were making a lot out of this match, either because they were told to or because it was the only damn match on the whole show without a title. So they yep. were really painting this as, like, either the winner of this could challenge for whatever title they wanted. Yeah, that was, like, the impression I got. I thought that now Ibushi's gone and won this, he can challenge – well, he he might go and challenge Okada down the line at some point because it felt like a special attraction-type match or, like, some sort of a number one contenders match for something – whether it's the intercontinental or because I I won't say no to Ibushi Tanahashi again, but I, yeah. again and I I know it was um, uh, Tiger Mask, but I definitely wouldn't say no to Okada. We'll probably find out in about twelve hours. I would say what like yeah. where that one goes, <laughs> whenever uh, New Year's Dash is, whenever uh, the next one is. So Kota Ibushi accidentally takes out Brandy Rhodes, and I love this spot because he went full on like. 1989, 1988 Hulk Hogan and was like, oh no, Elizabeth. <laughs> and goes to pick her up and Cody just socks Ibushi right in the face. And then you, the, the camera pans down and there were a lot of issues with production. This wasn't one of them. They yeah. catch Cody and Brandy like maniacally laughing. That was such a great shot. Uh, Rhodes starts working the neck of Ibushi over. The ref, though, is just so dumb. Like, to have to paint your refs out is so bad. Brandy hands Cody the chair. And the ref, seeing this, admonishes Brandy while Cody is teeing off on Ibushi with the chair. Like, there's sometimes I'll let it go. That was just, that's one of those spots. I'm like, man, yeah, you got to come up with a better thing than that to, to get the ref out of it. I was going to say, especially because I'm sure whilst he's lecturing Brandy over not um, picking up chairs. I'm absolutely sure that he's going to hear Cody teeing off on Nibushi in the background. And it's not like he can turn around and go, Oh, I never, I've never seen this chair before. So it, <laughs> the referee spots, uh, like they're always really questionable in New Japan. But in, in terms of like the, in terms of the bigger picture of the match, it played, it played a good part and it broke it up quite well. There are so many goddamn people ringside at this 
event. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. So when <laughs> when Ibushi goes for the golden triangle, I'm like, God, I hope nobody else gets hit because there are like 15, 20 people there. And they all just like split like the Red Sea and Cody ends up getting hit. Then there's this absolutely disgusting crossroads off the apron. Oh, God. I have. I, My I, I don't God. know how he survived. I genuinely don't know how he survived that. It's, it don't get any better with whichever angle you look at. It's horrible. It's an amazing spot, but it's horrible. He somehow took it as like an upper back bump. Like <laughs> that ain't easy to do off that move. But I guess if you're falling off of an apron, you, you don't have much of a choice. You take it however you land. Oh, I, how he survived. Like Ibushi is maybe one of the only human beings that has total disdain for all of his limbs and all of his body parts. He's happy to sort of like, like when you see him in DDT, he's so happy to just wreck himself for other yeah. people's enjoyment. And I guarantee, I, like, I was thinking, I bet it was actually Kota Ibushi that went up to Cody Rhodes and went, I've got a great idea. You're going to love yeah. it. Crossroads me off this. Remember that neck that I broke? Let's yeah. break it again. <laughs> they don't teach you how to take that one in wrestling school, my friends. That I can uh, assure you. Cody busts out a top rope here at Rana. The, the ref's count was kind of wonky here. That's the, the ref, like, it was, I don't know if it was three, but it was close. Ibushi reverses a crossroads into a lawn dart. Looked great. Got a great reaction. Last ride. Then uh, Kota Ibushi slugs Kota, Cody with some knees. Phoenix Splash gets the win. This was an incredible match. Cody against both Okada and Kota Ibushi has had some really awesome matches. And uh, Jesus. Like, if he can have this type of match. Now, granted, a lot of that's on Kota Ibushi and what he's willing to do and not willing to do. Keep keep lining them up for Cody if that's the case. But uh, Kota was Kota Ibushi was the, I think he was the star of this yeah, match. Yeah. Obviously, you could say he was the golden star of the um... hot damn. <laughs> but it's like I have always been quite on the fence with Cody um, because I was I know he always said I was, but the reason I'm getting booked everywhere is my ability, and I was always a bit like, well. I'm sure there's name value and things like that. But I, I did a massive U-turn, a massive 180 on him at um, WXW 16 Carat. And he like he was a wrestler, he was a manager, you know, and he got the audience. Um, and I thought, this guy, like, say what you will, but to me, Cody is, he knows he's such a good wrestler and such a good star. And it just, it just works. He's just so smart from a wrestling standpoint, not just in the ring. Like, the thing is, you might see Cody have a lot of average matches. I don't know that you're going to see him have matches where you're like, that was just terrible. Like, you just, okay. I don't remember a lot of terrible Cody Rhodes matches. And the thing, like, there were little things like him telling Ibushi that Omega didn't love him. <laughs> like, there are things like that. And we're at this point to where a few months ago, I doubted if they were going to fill up a 10,000-seater 10, for this all-in show. I'm not really doubting it now. Once I see, I, I look at the yeah. Chris Jericho schedule and I look at who's available and I'm like, I think, I think they could do it. But, uh, is, is there anything coming out of this match? Kota Ibushi, and we'll, we'll get to the Omega thing later, but, you know, Ibushi Omega following up does make sense. But, yeah. But Jericho does have a week off before that, that Long Beach show. And that's the only break in his tour. I can see. I, 
the advantage, I mean, New Japan have lately as well, they've kind of shown more footage of like backstage stuff. And like when, um, when I think Omega lost the G1 final and they, and he had like the standoff with, um, Ibushi, I, I, I think there's long, there's going to be a big payoff down the line, but because of what Cody said and, where Ibushi and Kenny stand and what Jericho's doing. It, it's all up in the air and it's like, it's a mystery that I'm really happy to subscribe and buy into. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to what happens <laughs> coming up next on the, on the show, on uh, the new year's dash show. So, uh, LIJ defeated the killer elite squad to become IWGP or heavyweight champions, uh, heavyweight tag champions. Sorry about that. KES attack and like methodically beat down Evil and Sonata. And this goes on for quite a while. A long time. An uncomfortably long time. Yeah. Davey Boy Jr. with his dad circa 1999 WWF gear. And I got to say, if those are shoot jeans, then his agility is impressive. Definitely. I'm not too big on Lance. Yeah. Like, I'm not too big on Lance, but. Avi Boy Smith, I, I think he's great. I everything he does, like the entrance and and he's he's got so much charisma and he's got so much like he he looks like one of the he looks like he genuinely enjoys wrestling. Yeah, any opponent and aside from the like uncomfortably long, almost like squash like opening minutes. Yes, it, it heated up, but. I don't know. I, I almost feel like the match kind of suffered because of the beginning. Yeah. Because I, I remember... It, it took too long to kick into that gear. Yeah, far too long. And, you know, Davey Boy Jr. is a Billy Robinson disciple, so I'm going to love him no matter what. I mean, that's that's just... He craved to learn more about Catch's Catch Can Wrestling, and he went to the right place for it. Uh, it feels like... Like we said, it feels like this went, went forever. Even after a tag to evil... Killer Elite Squad immediately like went back to retain control. Hoyt hit a, a very cool T-bone superplex that initially Kevin Kelly called as a Spanish fly, and I was like, maybe it was supposed to be a Spanish oh, fly. That was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was something else. I, I At first I did think, because you know how he had his back one way and um, yes. Evil had was facing one way, and I thought, no, there's no way. There's no way he's going to go for it. <laughs> and it's like at the last minute he was like, yeah, I'm not going to go for it. And then just kind of flipped him over, but <laughs> it was a really weird spot. Hoyt also choke slammed evil onto a bunch of young boys. That was a cool spot. LIJ fought back, um, hit a magic killer and a moonsault press for the win. Not bad. I mean, it was an average match, but you know, an average match on this show, it's just not going to stand out. In yeah. my opinion, and it's something the Young Bucks have been really pushing for, to get rid of the junior heavyweight tag division and just incorporate them. Yeah, I would be in favor of that. I just think – and one one other thing as well with this I picked up on was if you combine both divisions, you're going to get – like I know we had um, – I can't remember if it was Raymond or Hanson, but like Sabre Jr. going toe-to-toe with uh, one of the War Machine. and. Yeah. You're gonna get loads of like bigger guy, smaller guy dynamics, but like I definitely wouldn't say no to like Evil and Sonata versus Rapongi 3K down the line yeah. or something like that. It just um, it's just a matter of time. I, I think it will. I think they will eventually combine the two. I think the quality just- of the matches will increase significantly, especially yeah. as it pertains to the heavyweight tag division, because 
Man, even when back back when Anderson and Gallows were were running things there, it was hard for them to get like great matches. And then when you know, yeah, Gorilla's a destiny. I'm sorry, but they need some smaller guys to work with to really reinforce what they're yeah. trying to do. Like, it's just what you need. Uh, especially when they got another brother who pops up. It's like there's another one, Plus and he's six ten. Well. <laughs> like, he's like, come on, uh, never open weight championship hair versus hair match. Roki Goto defeated Minoru Suzuki to win the championship. Now, if <laughs> the extended ass kicking that Killer Elite Squad put on LIJ was like like eight or nine minutes, this felt like two hours. But that's the Suzuki game. Like he hung up Goto with a sleeper from the top rope. Uh, the doctor checks it, and Callus correctly calls out the doctor for that. I completely agree. Yeah. The doctor's in the ring trying to wake somebody up. Match is over. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and one thing I didn't get as well was, well, one thing I thought was absolutely brutal was the point when Suzuki must have slapped Goto about 30 or 40 times in about 15 or 20 seconds. Yeah. And like, and I, and like I said, I think it was callous and he was like, Oh, he's going to be bruised in the morning. And I was like, he's going to be dead by the morning if he keeps <laughs> yeah. taking this shot. Like the way it worked though, I mean, this, when I was saying that, um, some stuff surprised me. Um, because I have this image in my head of the uh, Minoru Suzuki Michael Elgin match earlier in the year, well, in 2017, sure. which left a really sour taste in my mouth. Um, but I always, I've always seen Goto as a guy that can work big matches. He just doesn't win them until since last, well, until last year's Wrestle Kingdom, and now he has a shot. So I, I, this was the match that surprised me. Um, and I'm happy to say that I really enjoyed it from bell to bell. Hiroki Goto is, I think, to, to put it to put it like this, like he's nowhere near the top in yeah. New Japan right now. But I, in my opinion, he was the best case scenario for Kenzo Suzuki in WWE like 13 years ago. If they would have got a Hiroki Goto out of Kenzo Suzuki, they would they would have been happier than a pig and shit. They would have been thrilled. Yeah, but absolutely. They they didn't get that. And Hiroki Goto, for as inconsistent as he can be, he's still he's hanging in there. I mean, he beat Suzuki, never open weight championship match. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he got the piss smacked out of him at some point. Yeah, I love that when he was fighting back, like Suzuki started to laugh it off. Like that was kind of cool. <laughs> he just doesn't. <laughs> it displays that aura of invincibility of Suzuki, like even at his age. There was a great counter into a guillotine by Suzuki. Uh, before the ref can stop the match, Suzuki, and the, the story of this whole match is like, he wants to finish it with his gotch pile driver. He is me playing every wrestling video game ever. Where, no, I got to finish it with this. I'm going to yeah. do this. And that's him. And it ended up costing him. I thought that was, there was a good story in that. Yeah, they, they did. Uh... They did surprise me with how in depth they went with that. Um, cause he, like, he, like I said, he was beating on him for a long period of time. And after the, the guillotine from the top rope, you thought, okay, the, you could have pinned him then. Or there was many points when he thought you could have pinned him then or caused him to submit then. But ultimately it was his own sort of confidence or overconfidence of beating Goto that, like I said, just cost him both the title, the match and his hair. <laughs> Because yeah. he's, he's got rid of it all now. Um, he posted it on Instagram. He's got rid of it all. And it's really, um, it's quite an interesting look for him. Oh, man. It's, it's, 
it's the end of an era. It's the end of an era. Uh, super, super Ushigoroshi off the top uh, after Suzuki tried to choke Goto out up there. GTR hits after a big strike exchange. Revolution gets the win for Goto. Then we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. This is under Fatal 4-Way Rules. Will Ospreay defeated Marty Skrull, Kushida, and Hiromu Takahashi to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Skrull really healing it up early. He would dive in and out just to break up the pins because he had to. One of my favorite spots of the match was early on when uh, Kushida was bent over and Osprey ran across his back to hit a Hurricanrana. That was just so cool. And there are little things that Kushida does that make him one of my favorite workers in the world. Like, like probably something he didn't even discuss with Marty, where Marty would hit the ropes and he'd be on the outside, he being Kushida, and he tries to grab Skrull's leg but doesn't get it. Like, because why wouldn't he try to? And then he hits a handspring kick that knocks Takahashi and Osprey off the top rope, follows up with a dive. Then Osprey does this <laughs> moonsault off of a tower onto all three. Takahashi got the worst of this. Takahashi got the worst of everything early on. He was he getting did. his ass kicked. He's a nut job. I remember last year, um, was it last, it was last year's Wrestle Kingdom as well when he was just throwing himself doing sentons to the outside. And it's like, one thing I did pick up on was when you watch him like jump off this tower, Takahashi gets all of it. Kushida gets a little bit of it. And it's like Skrull just goes <laughs> and yeah. just completely leaves it. And it's the funniest thing. But like Skrull, like you said, Skrull was doing such like, The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And me on like a WWE 2K game, like let everybody else wrestle for a long time and then come yes. in and out when necessary. And it, and normally I always find Fatal Four is like quite formulaic or you get people waiting for the spots or, but it, one really cool thing was Hiromu Takahashi, instead of waiting for his spots, what they did was tied him up on the outside. Yeah. So it, that took him out and he didn't need to sort of like sell an injury for, an obscenely long amount of time. They they must have planned this match for a very long time, and it paid and off. When Skrull taped him up, he broke his fingers too, just to do it. And then <laughs> Kushida and Osprey returned the favor to him on the top rope. I thought that was really cool. You know, a lot has been said about, you know, the gymnastics and blah, 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 blah. Will Osprey having that background helped out Hiromu Takahashi because yeah. had he not landed on his feet a little bit off that tower dive, Man, that would have been really, really tough on Takahashi. That's not a fun one to catch on your neck and your shoulder and things like that. Yeah, There's a, there's a spot where Kushida catches a flying elbow drop in midair with an arm bar. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Skrull's chicken wing and Kushida's hoverboard locker on the uh, on at the same time. That was a really cool visual. Then there's this 
insane series where Osprey does this step kick off of Skrull and backflips off, and oh, all yeah. four men end up clothesline down. That was just had to be meticulously planned. Yeah, there's outstanding. That was they do a lot. Like I've seen it quite a bit. But every time I see Osprey in like multi man matches, he just never fails to impress or never fails to sort of bring something new to it. And what was good was all four guys had their own different style here. Like it wasn't like you had like Matt Seidel, Ricochet, Osprey and like Hiromu. Cause it would, it might like all the flips might get a bit tedious. Like mm. you'd have Marty that had his like evasive self and Takahashi tried to kill himself and everybody else. Um, <laughs> Shida worked everyone and then Osprey was just, cat-like in, in his athleticism and it really worked and it was again it surprised me with how good the whole thing was yeah there was this strike trade that devolved into all four men just swinging wildly that was so cool that was a nice touch Hiromu got his ass kicked the whole match until he hit a belly-to-belly suplex on Kushida into the corner uh, Marty Skrull hit a couple of boss cutters and I thought he had the pin Takahashi seemed a little late getting there to break it up on the fir- upon First watch. Maybe I'll have to go back and check it again. Uh, Kushida applies an armbar, then a triangle. Osprey powers bombs out of it. Skrull had like some hilarious interactions with, with Takahashi at ringside too. Like just telling him to shut up at random times. Then he tapes his own fingers up that have been broken and grabs like just a stupid amount of powder. Oh, it's full on. <laughs> throws it in Kushida's face. Kushida still gets back to the future. Takahashi comes back. He's just tossing out sunset flip power bombs left and right. Uh, he ends up getting one from Kushida too. Takahashi can't get it done. Osprey can't get it done with with an imploding 450. And at right before that imploding 450, I'm like, maybe this match should have ended a few minutes ago. But then when the crowd just got so crazy about that match right then, I was like, they they did it right then. Uh, <laughs> Takahashi hits a time bomb, but the ref is pulled out by by Skrull. And Skrull kills his face with this umbrella. He cracked him so goddamn hard, Robbie. It was oh. I. It that umbrella will forever be an accessory for Skrull and a weapon. I remember he did it. At, um, oh, he did it at a Rev Pro show because um, it was it was Takahashi Skrull, and he he hit him with this umbrella. And I remember I was just checking my phone. Because they were just, it looked like they were just doing like a standoff, and Skrull, and it came, it sounded, and it came through on the stream. In person, I, I bet the guy at the back of the Tokyo Dome would have heard that like umbrella crack, like it was right in front of him, and it was absolutely like, and it was funny because he did it to all of them as well. But I really thought that when Hiroma goes for the the time bomb, I thought, all right, great, he's done it, he's won it. Because yeah. I, I was, I admittedly, I was back in Hiromu Takahashi to win this, um, but too. I, and I kind of thought, right, I hope it ends then. You know, just just get it done. Let me get one prediction right so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but I didn't. But I, it was so good. I just couldn't complain really. So up next, we had, uh, I think it was Jay White and her and Hiroshi Tanahashi at this point. Uh, by the way, Osprey got the win with the Oz Cutter. Outstanding match. I knew going into this we were going to see Tanahashi's knee get worked over. Everybody and their mother like knew that's what had been bothering him. 
So White does it. Tanahashi turns the table, start work, starts working over White's leg as well. This is a much slower pace, but you know, when you, when you're in between the IWGP junior heavyweight championship match and Jericho Omega, you, you almost have He's to. Got to break. Because yeah. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Outpace the junior heavyweights? No. What are you going to do? Out brawl Omega Jericho? No, you're not going to. All in all, though, I thought this was, I, I really, I personally, I thought this was average at best. We saw a high fly flow to the, to the outside. But you, if you saw that, you'd have no idea Tanahashi was hurt or feeling any pain or anything like that. Jay White in this match, now granted he's 25, but definitely didn't look like a guy that I would see at the top of a New Japan card. No, he – and I, I always try to sort of credit Jay wherever I can. Um, mm-hmm. I've known him for a good couple of years, but he kind of just looked – and 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 I will say that like it took Naito a while to adjust to his tranquilo self, and it took Okada a while to adjust to being the preppy like rainmaker guy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the Switchblade is the right character for Jay White. I just can't see him being. It just I I think it was crying out for more like raw aggression from Jay White, and he just never sort of kicked it into that. Aside from. You know the move um, where he kind of like looked like he was about to crucifix pin him and just hit him with the elbows and the elbows and the elbows. Um, the production screwed up on that. They yeah. it was the, those are the Gary Goodridge elbows that you saw the crucifix elbows from the old UFC days where Goodridge knocked somebody out cold and like you know there, there's some charm in retaining the same type of production you've had, but you got to get stuff like that, especially when he's got it on for like 20 seconds. Switch that yeah, camera yeah. angle, my man. Like, get this. This He's going to town on Tanahashi's head. Perhaps the biggest problem I had, it wasn't with Jay White. It was with Tanahashi ha- going into this with the bad knee, having his knee worked over, over and over and over again, and doing like 72 high fly flows with no problem. Yeah, he's... No I always think he's torn... I always think he's torn between being the Superman and then working over the injury because obviously people recognize him as being the ace that's undefeated and like, well, undefeatable when he's on top form. Um, but it did sort of need more because after a while, Tanahashi started to be more aggressive than Jay White, which I didn't think was the best idea for Jay. Yeah. Uh, because it was like, I don't want to call it a, a dick measuring contest and who's more aggressive, but it was like, after a while, I thought, okay, which who's the bad guy here in terms of like who wants to hit who harder? Like, it, and I will say that, that it really was average at best, and, and that pains me to say because I love them both, but it really was average at best. So, I mean, they debuted this new guy. They had a bunch of vignettes for him, and Tanahashi beats him. Now, the the high fly flow to the back, man, that looked gross. Yeah, and he followed up and won. Uh, Tanahashi kicked out of a Kiwi Crusher. I just, man, this one just. It didn't live up to it to me, and that that's unfortunate because I look for big things out of Jay White. To me personally, I, I think it's more on Tanahashi than it is Jay White. That to because I mean Tanahashi is the veteran. Jay White's a twenty five year old that they're bringing in for his first big New Japan match in in this featured slot. Tanahashi in win or loss over Jay White has to make this guy, and I don't think yeah. he did. I don't think it was the right pairing. I, I know I know why they did go 
and it does make sense initially for them to pick him to kind of like crush this kingdom that Tanahashi had like built. But it just, I think he would have benefited from being someone almost like Kenny Omega instead of um, Tanahashi. But I, I mean, I thought that Jay White was going to win here just so, cause just because, you know, why would you debut this guy, build these vignettes and promo videos for months and months and months against the hurt guy, the guy who's yeah. hurt. And he loses. Like, what's next for Tanahashi? Yeah. Well, as much as I, you know, I, I wouldn't call that a bad match. It's just considering yeah. all the things that we know and we know the resources they put into Jay White. Now, not every time that they debut a guy, they're not going to win. I thought Lucha Underground used to do a really good job of switching that up. Sometimes they'd run vignettes on a guy and they'd win. Sometimes oh, they'd yeah. lose because that that's that's the aura of unpredictability, but... I just feel like had Jay White lost, but Hiroshi Tanahashi made him, that would be yeah. a lot different. But he didn't. He didn't make him. There wasn't a rub from working with the New Japan Ace in this regard. He, he just got beat by a guy with a bad knee, and hopefully they can recover him. I'm very interested to see the direction they go with Jay White. Uh, yeah, I was sat there thinking, well, he could join a faction, but there's not much for him to do in a faction, yeah. um, especially when he comes across as like. Like the vignettes came across as he's like a crazed individual of some sort. Um, so I don't think he'd do well in a faction. So I, I'm, I think next he'll, I don't, I, I can't say I think, I, like we'll find out in 12 hours, I suppose. Um, but I don't know where either of them go from here. There were a couple guys like from New, New Zealand and Australia in the, uh, New Japan Rumble that, you know, maybe, maybe they could just, toss them in there, and I don't know. It's just me just throwing something together. I doubt it. Um, but I, like like you said, we'll find out. We'll find out in about 12 hours. So, <laughs> so as average as I thought that match was, uh, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho had one of my favorite pro wrestling matches of all time, like immediately. And maybe I can credit it to recency bias. I don't know, but... Holy crap, man. I love this match. Like, we went into it, and the whole thing was it's going to be a fight. It's not going to be a match. It was a fight that turned into a match, and it was a really good one. There wasn't anything that I didn't think that this match had. Uh, how did you feel about the match? Did it live up to your expectations or your hype that either that they built or that you had set for yourself? I honestly, and I will say this, it surpassed what I expected um, because I. And this is just looking at Jericho's WWE, his last WWE run. I thought, all right, Omega's got a serious carry job going on here. But Jericho loved, and and it's so well portrayed. But Jericho loved every single minute of what he was doing. Like even yeah. when, even when like Kenny was down, and Jericho had the camera, and he was flipping off the whole crowd, and like the Eddie Guerrero tribute in the corner with his feet up. You know, he he went out there to um to have a ball, and the match. Just it all perfectly came together, and they had the initial brawl and all the weapons used on the outside. And I'm glad that it did slowly transition into a into a pro wrestling match because you kind of you got the Western sort of aspect, which is all the weapons and 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 all of that. And then when it transitioned into sort of like puro kind of. And you had people kicking out of finishers, and the way um, Jericho reversed the one-winged angel into the uh, walls of Jericho. Oh, that was 
that was testament to how good Jericho is. And Jericho has firmly claimed his place as one of the greatest of all time. So let me explain to something, something to people who don't kind of understand like the rules and stuff. This match was no DQ. Rope breaks and plane breaks can still happen. No DQ doesn't mean false count anywhere. Now he can't get D, nobody can get DQ'd for not letting go of a submission hold in that rope break, but you can't get a submission in the rope break because that is out of the field of play. That would be just like it. Once you reach that area, it's just like you're trying to pin or submit somebody outside. Doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Uh, that's, that's what we're looking at here. Red shoes is a son of a bitch. I hate watching him ref <laughs> matches. Uh, I'll get to that later, but there was another production spot when Jericho had Omega in a lion tamer and red shoes was right in Omega's face where the camera couldn't see it. You got to see that struggle, but oh, like yeah. you mentioned, man, Jericho looked like he was having the time of his life and the personality of a Chris Jericho really doesn't know any bounds. We've seen him be a great dude. Like we see him not celebrate it, but he donates to all kind of wrestler, like GoFundMe's that are struggling and stuff. We've seen him be a dick to people. We've seen him be like a, a bit of a sissy in wrestling, like his character. We've seen him be a brutal, ruthless son of a bitch. That's what I, I really like about Chris Jericho. Even at this stage, like, it's almost cliche saying he reinvents himself, but he's he's like a grizzled old rock star now. Like that's almost his thing is that he's this rock star who wants to to, to conquer something else. And Chris Jericho may or Kenny Omega maybe reminds him so much of himself. It was the perfect pairing, and it's a pairing that I didn't know that I ever wanted because I didn't know that I could get it. Yeah, like, I didn't know this was an option, Robbie. It feels like it's opened so many doors. Um... And, and especially, and, and I always will agree with the people liken uh, Chris Jericho to David Bowie in terms of how he reinvents himself. And it felt like we were getting a the Jericho when he feuded with Michaels. Um, I think it was like around 2008 time or around then when he was just brutal. And like even the build up, even like the press conferences and even when Jericho surprised everybody and turned up and, and bloodied him. This whole feud from start to finish has been such, it's been so great to be spectating and keeping up with day in, day out. And I think that Jericho, now it looks, well, now that New Japan kind of made him look five or 10 years younger than WWE have had him looking for a good while. I think that Jericho can, if he chooses to go a couple more years, if he wants to. Oh, and yeah, I'm sure he's. I'm sure as well. He will um, take up a couple more dates with New Japan on the New Japan schedule, and Ring of Honor is in his good graces as well. With them doing the the show that Vince McMahon would not let his NXT talent do on the cruise. I had mentioned this before on the Fightful podcast. I had been told by those within WWE that they thought that that Jericho wasn't necessarily mad, but was a little off put that he outwardly spoke about how loyal he was to WWE and that he wouldn't work anywhere. Then when he asked them for a favor, they were like, no, no, no. And not only that, they wasted his time. They brought him in to tell him why they wouldn't do it. And he said, okay, you know what? I'll get somebody who will. <laughs> and this is an underrated thing too. That all in show, maybe Jericho's on that too. Like that's, that's a way you're going to put some asses in the seats. If you yeah. have a Cody, a young bucks, Kenny Omega, the rest of the bullet club, and then a Jericho and a Daniel Bryan on that show. And who who knows who else these guys can go and grab? Like, I mean, 
they've got just infinite connections. We'll talk a little bit more about that after I go through the match because there's plenty to talk about. Early, <laughs> Jericho took a hilarious bump over the railing. I just thought it was so funny. It was like so, so uh, just exaggerated. Then Omega like ruined that laugh by just going springboard over the rail through the announce table table. An announcer looked like he got wiped out hard there. It looked like he got hit like oh, in the knee yeah. and the leg. He's whoever it was, he's gonna be feeling maybe as sore as some of the wrestlers tomorrow. Cause he 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 did a um he did like a Hiromu and just decided to catch Kenny, like coming flying through this table. Um Someone said it was callous, but it, you know, it, it wasn't, but no, it wasn't callous. I, I know it was, um, it was their table that had got severely affected because, you know, for the couple of minutes after they were like, and we can't see yeah. anything, you know. Well, that but was, it, that was, that was a little bit later, like <laughs> after Jericho slapped red shoes and then put his son in the walls oh, of Jericho yeah. and screamed, look at your son. I was like, damn, I wish I could be as good at any one given thing as Chris Jericho was as good at being a heel in this match, because it was yeah. one of the great heel performances I've seen in recent wrestling history. Like you mentioned, they knock everybody's audio out and Omega throws one of those CRT television monitors at, uh, at Chris Jericho's balls, which has a chair over it. <laughs> it's like, of course it was just such a, a great brawl. Uh, Omega climbed the little tower and does like the coup de gras onto a table that is on top of Jericho. Callus's call of that was great. Then there was this perfectly executed Scott spot, Robbie, where Omega's going for a springboard drop kick. And instead Jericho does the, oh, the right, triangle yeah. drop kick right to the knee of, of Omega. And there's really, there, you know, there's no feigning that there's no faking that. Like, we yeah. saw the knee bend backwards. It was just so great, so perfectly executed. But it's like Kenny uh, Kenny is one of them guys as well that um, once he sells something, once he's against a heel. Like, it, it was weird how there was so many, like, different face-heel dynamic changes. Like, Kenny had worked face here, and, like, further down the card, Los Angeles worked face against Killer Elite Squad. But everybody, like... Everybody was firing on full on all cylinders today, and that knee injury was um, has bothered Omega for a long time, and it just felt so like aggressive from um, from Jericho that he targeted the knee that like actually Kenny had surgery on. Yeah, um, and it just all came together, and as much of a a total heel as Jericho was, I couldn't help but sort of sit back and think. This guy is so good at doing this. Yeah, it just is masterful. And there, like throughout these thirty-eight or so minutes, there were so many times I was like, "Okay, this is going to be it." No, this is going to be it. There was just a Tope Con Hilo, a Kataro Crusher, Hurricane Rana, V Trigger that all land for Omega. But then, out of nowhere, he's thrown down on his back. Walls of Jericho are locked in. Then Omega busts out the cold spray, <laughs> which he's still in the middle of this serious war, able to yeah, throw in a laugh bit. into it. <laughs> yeah, because he, he got him in the face and then like decided to go back to the old, like almost sort of house show Kenny with like spraying yeah. everywhere. And it worked because like I'm sure the crowd reacted to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the crowd loved it as well. So it, again, it was just perfect timing for that spot. Jericho smashed Omega's head into a wedge chair. 
Omega gets busted open and hits a few Snapdragon suplexes. The guy is just so versatile. He can do anything, including getting a chair broken over his head, which happens a couple times. Those chair shots were rough. When Jericho goes up top, he gets V-triggered through the table, and he kind of hesitates a little bit, and the commentary team did a great job in like covering up for him, saying he tried to hold on, but he lost his grip. Yeah. And, you know, those little Fisher-Price tables that they go through, those little little kid tables, man, they just destroy. They disintegrate upon impact. It's It was weird as well. Um, but, the, like, the weird thing was, was it was, I don't know why, but when I saw it, I was reminiscent of when Alberto Del Rio did it to CM Punk. And, like, he kind of, he looks to see where the table is, like, really discreetly and then, like, braces himself for the fall. And he just nailed this fall. And it just, there was so much stuff that I didn't expect to happen in this match. And it all comes together. And that spot, and as well as the commentary team had kind of just sort of improvised, nailed it. Yeah, this was, in my opinion, a perfect match. Like, I don't know that I've enjoyed watching a pro wrestling match since I've covered pro wrestling quite as much as this. And, like that's with these lofty expectations too. There's so much going into this. They, they just succeeded it. There was uh, a one-winged angel that goes into a walls of Jericho. This is right after a double underhook pile driver didn't put Jericho away. Uh, this is where I mentioned that Red Shoes got into Kenny Omega's face, kind of messed with the camera shot. But the walls of Jericho switched into the lion tamer this match seemed like it was jericho's entire career like flashing yeah. in front of our faces like it was like the best of chris jericho all in one match it was so cool one winged angle one one winged angel hits but uh, jericho is in the ropes uh omega drops jericho face first across the top rope powerbomb style jericho lands a code breaker which omega takes as good as anybody ever has that gets a two Kenny Omega finishes it off with one winged angel on a chair. Any uh, any other thoughts on this this match? Um, I, I know you mentioned it was like uh, was it thirty eight uh, thirty eight minute match? It just didn't feel yeah half as long as that. Like it felt so compacted, and it, the tempo of the match was right, the pacing was right. Over, I was so surprised with how good this was, and I'm so happy to sort of sit back and say this blew me away. 34-36 is what I'm told is the final time of this match. You guys got to go out of your way to watch this. Um, yes. Somebody says, One-Winged Angel stupid. I like Jay White's version less set up. Nah, it's all right. He can hit it from multiple spots. It works. Yeah. It works. Main event, Kazuchika Okada defends his uh, IWGP heavyweight championship over Tetsuya Naito. A lot of people thought this was the time to pull the trigger on Naito. Wasn't the case. Uh, well, I'll talk about a couple of my problems with the match early on. Okada borrowed Mickey James's pants for this match. I don't know why, but he did. They looked terrible. I don't like, and this is a guy who releases his match ratings on his website. I don't like announcers talking about star ratings and matches, especially oh. a show like this, where it the sport of it is focused so heavily. That bothers yeah. me. And wasn't it like they were talking about the betting odds of under or over five stars? And I just thought, come on, just let them. Like it took 
it took so much out of me in the first couple of minutes. I remember sat there pondering. I was like, what's the point in bringing that up? Like, you know, it's going to be great. Just sit back and let it be great. Don't take a bet on how great it's going to be. Yeah, I had more, even more of an issue back when Kenny Omega like d- said it in his promos. He's like, I have best bouts, all the, which I mean, best bouts, not, not an issue, but he says, I want to have this many stars, yada, yada, because ideally you should want to knock your opponent out in like two seconds and be out of there. Yeah. That's just, that's just how I feel about that. Uh, Naito has been able to take something like neck breakers that have kind of been bastardized and make it his go-to. A lot of guys in New Japan are really good at that. We saw Nakamura with knees. We, we, we just see a lot of that happen. I mean, Okada took a clothesline, a short arm clothesline and made it one of the most devastating finishers in wrestling history. So I think that's uh, pretty cool. Okada connects on a couple of stiff DDTs. I love the way that Naito sells them. He'll like hold onto his shoulders and his traps and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's like a very underrated way to sell that. Okada plays the hits pretty much, hits his big elbow drop, does the Rainmaker pose, goes to the Cobra Clutch, which is, which is a big story in this match. I love that he's using the Cobra Clutch more and more. This match was exactly what I would expect out of Okada and Naito. It was a, it was an awesome match. Now, when it followed Omega Jericho, if it had been before that or Omega Jericho didn't happen, I would have probably just thought this was – I would be over the moon about it, but I had just seen Omega Jericho not taking anything away from what these two did. It's just, you know, sometimes you got to follow something like what went before it. Yeah, it was It was abs- – from start to – well, from bell to bell, I, everything Okada does I enjoy, especially after last year's sort of almost career year for him. Um it just from the get go, and I always, I, I always hoped that he was gonna take those like disco pants off, but he never did, and <laughs> it did, it did almost bother me, like it did bother me in a way that he was like wrestling in them. I know like Marafuji does it all the time, but I just thought this isn't, you know, this isn't the Okada that I want to see. It was very Man, those weird. Those pants sucked. <laughs> those pants yeah. were so whack. Oh, Jesus. I was hoping that he'd go for like a really flamboyant, like setting up for his final Rainmaker. And with a punch, you can kind of just like rip off like that and then hit the Rainmaker and like end it in the most flamboyant way possible. But we never Even Dalton Castle takes his pants off like his gaudy ones off when he wrestles. Damn, man. Uh, the only spot that I didn't particularly care for in this match, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of the strike, then wait for the other person to strike type of thing. I, I think that's a little insulting, but other than that, you know, that's that's a minor complaint. Uh, Naito really struggled to get out of that Cobra clutch at times, like would wiggle out, flip out, anything, just couldn't do it. Okada's German suplexes are so sick, just so sick. Rainmaker even more so. Naito kicked out of one, and then Naito countered another Cobra clutch with Destino, uh, but he's too beat down to capitalize. Then uh, I just love this one. He turned like an Alabama slam from Okada into like a head scissors driver. It looked great. That looked so awesome. It was, they, they had so many counters for each other. But, and one thing I noticed was one, another downfall for Naito in this match as part of the story was like, and Naito being tranquilo, like he's grown to sort of hate the fans and hate the company, but it was so weird to see him gesture for the, they call it the star, the stardom press. What are the, they star something press when he, like, press. that's it. Like, and he never used to break it out because yeah. 
it was a move that the audience knew was mm-hmm. part of his past self. And, you know, breaking out for it twice and never hitting it, it was it contributed to this like big story so much. Love the finish. You had a Rainmaker, a Destino, kick out. Then an Okada Tombstone, another Destino. And then the Destino was countered into another Okada Tombstone. That was it. Rainmaker, Okada retained. Now, a lot of people had problems with this booking because Naito has had this build. And Okada had this build. And neither one of them really had the the trigger pulled on them completely. Yeah. Now, this is a very good problem to have in that you have too many guys that are over. Like, that's that's a pretty awesome problem to have. Okada already has the the record for the longest reign. He could really, really solidify it. He's got a couple of defenses away from tying that record. Where do you think they go with this? Because, I mean, Okada's already had that legendary reign. Um, I think Naito will still be the one to take the title off him down the line. Um, But, I mean... One thing you've got to remember is it took Okada three times, three attempts to beat Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. Um, and whilst Naito, you could say, like, you know, that he could have won today. But when you look down the line, and Gato's long-term booking is almost second to none uh, these days. I just, I remember I, I did 100% fully expect Naito to win. But... Once he'd hit the Rainmaker and got the free count, I just kind of sat back and said, I'll let them take it from here. Um, because like last year, they'd, he'd beaten Kenny, and the next day, Suzuki Goon turned up, and then he had a, a new legitimate challenger. So I, I don't know where the next challenge will come from, but like I said, this is another one of them cases. I'm more than happy to sit back and just let New Japan take control. Yeah, of course, we do have coverage of the show in about 12 hours if you're listening to this live. This week, Okada broke the record for most combined days as IWGP heavyweight champion. The man is 30 years old. 30. And a lot of these guys go into their 40, 45, and sometimes even later in, in New Japan. So they they found their guy, and this comes from a company that, you know, about 10 years ago, it was, it was rough. Yeah, it was very rough. And they have just been able to churn out star after star after star and then take people from other places that have been stars and either reinvigorate them like an AJ Styles. Like, my God, he was reborn in New Japan. Uh, Chris Jericho is about to have another classic run, in my opinion. Kenny Omega just seamlessly took over AJ Styles' spot. It's just... It's amazing what New Japan has been able to do, and it really, I think a lot of this kicked off like from the American standpoint. When they did Wrestle Kingdom on pay-per-view, they did the collaborative effort with Global Force to bring it to, yeah. to pay-per-view in America, and they, they've gotten it out there. And they're going all in, man. They're, they are all for this global expansion. And you have a businessman like Mark Cuban who owns the Dallas Mavericks and Access TV saying, I love New Japan. I'm paying for New Japan to get on my network. That's a pretty good endorsement. How do things look on on your side of the globe, Robbie, for for New Japan? Because I know that the wrestling scene is exploding there. Yeah, the the UK is currently going for a massive boost um, or a big wrestling boom, um, and companies and promotions like Fight Club and Rev Pro Progress, uh, OTT in Ireland are growing. Um, what they they are using New Japan guys, Rev Pro do it mostly because like. 
there's high is it high stakes high stakes Rev Pro. They've got Sonada. They've got Suzuki. Um, everybody that follows these big promotions in the UK want to see these New Japan guys up close and in person because the 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 absolute majority of UK fans won't see these guys in person unless New Japan comes to the UK. Um, and that's the the only opportunity really to see New Japan guys up close and personal is Rev Pro's. Rev Pro's Global Wars show at York Hall and Walthamstow in like November times. But it's so good that there is an option for every type of wrestling fan. You know, if you want to see story, you can go watch this. If you want to see what we've seen today, you can go find it in New Japan. And I think everyone in the UK uh, right about now is feeling the same hype and we'll all be tuning into the New Year's Dash tomorrow as well. Yeah, I'm pumped to watch that. Can't wait. Uh, Robbie, let people know what else you're up to, what kind of stuff you do, and uh, things like where they can follow you on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Robbie Radford. Um, I'm currently sort of a little bit under, under the radar at the minute. Um, I'm a co-owner of the Kayfabe Today, well, co-host of the Kayfabe Today podcast. I knew if I'd get it wrong, they'd pull me up on that. Um, <laughs> uh, with Broski, Drew, and Travis, we'll be... We kind of taken a winter break, um, but we'll be back soon. And it's just it's just been an absolute pleasure to be with um with you today on this show. Definitely encourage people to check that out. I had a lot of people inquire about uh doing the show with me because I wanted to kind of get a new voice, new face to join me on this and listen to a bunch of people and yours immediately stuck out. So I definitely want to encourage people to check that out. Uh, of course, guys, you can visit Fightful.com. We have live coverage of all these major New Japan shows where you can come and talk all the trash you want during them. Leave your comments on the stories. Come and join us on the forums. We've got podcasts, photos, videos. Since we launched last year, over 200 interviews across MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. That includes guys like Floyd Mayweather, uh, the first interviews that Muhammad Hassan did since he left wrestling. Uh, I've got a bunch of long-form features on the NWA, Brawl for All, lots of cool stuff over at Fightful.com. And, of course, all your boxing and MMA news as well. If you're not a fan of those, you're able to filter them, able to kind of uh, divide that up, anything you want. But, uh, Robbie, it was great to have you today, my man. Absolutely. It was, it was a superb show topped off of a really fun podcast, so I'm going to bed happy soon. <laughs> guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This uh, For a 4 p.m. show on Thursday afternoon, did excellent. Thank you for the engagement. Let people know about it. Tweet out the link. Tweet out the stories. Hey, tap your mom on the shoulder and say, hey, mom, you don't like wrestling? Well, too bad. You're watching this Wrestle Kingdom show. Until next time, guys, follow us at Fightful Online. We are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.